Welcome to SCN2A Insights, bringing you the latest research and clinical updates on SCN2A and genetic epilepsy from around the world. Hi, my name's Chris Pierce, And I'm David Cunnington. Welcome to SCN2A Insights. In this episode, we tackle the challenges of making a new treatment a reality by interviewing Dr. Karen Reddy. Dr. Reddy is the President and CEO of Praxis Precision Medicines. So thanks very much for helping us out, Karen. What does Praxis Precision Medicines do? Thank you, David, for inviting me to be able you know, to speak to the SCN2A community. And I'm you know, very pleased to tell you about Praxis Precision Medicine. So we are a small biotech company uh, that actually has operations in Boston, Massachusetts, in the United States. Uh, we also have operations in Melbourne, Australia. And we're focused on discovering uh, and developing new medicines for children with genetically defined epileptic encephalopathy. So epilepsy with neurodevelopmental disorders, that is our core focus at Praxis. What's Praxis Precision Medicines doing in the SCN2A space? We are very excited about our efforts uh, in SCN2A that has actually very recently uh, come together. We are looking to develop treatments for SCN2A epileptic encephalopathies that are driven by gain of function mutation. So this is increased function of the SCN2A gene or the uh, MAV 1.2 channel overactivity of that channel that is linked to uh, developmental epileptic encephalopathies, and we are focused on antisense oligonucleotide treatment for SCN2A gain-of-function mutations. This is a program that we are working on in collaboration with Ionis Pharmaceuticals that has been a world leader and the expert in developing antisense oligonucleotides uh, they're most notable for getting a drug approved for spinal muscular atrophy, uh, SNA, which is also an antisense oligonucleotide. So we're quite excited to be working with Ionis. We're also working uh, with a small company called Rajkhan, uh, and Rajkhan had done some of the early work with uh, Ionis around understanding how an antisense oligonucleotide or an ASO could be useful in treating mouse models of SCN2A gain-of-function epileptic encephalopathy. So we at Praxis uh, are now going to take on the baton from uh, Rajkhan and Ionis and will develop an antisense oligonucleotides um, in clinical trials uh, and hopefully uh, some they have uh, the ability to you know, have that drug be approved for patients with SCN2A uh, gain-of-function epileptic encephalopathy. Yeah, that's really exciting. And if everything goes to plan and there's no major hurdles, what's your approximate timeline for phase three clinical trials and then uh, regulatory approval and then availability of treatment? Great question and always one that you know, we are you know, at the top of our mind is you know, how quickly and you know, can we move. And our focus is to move uh, right now what the, the, the program is still in animal testing uh, and we would love to move as rapidly as possible to, to human testing and through late phase clinical trials as well. I'm always careful about providing timelines because I, I 
uh, I don't want to you know, provide inaccurate timelines. But what, I, what I'll say is this, is that right now we expect to be rigorously studying uh, our anti-centhalidonucleotides in animal safety next year. Uh, so those will be in uh, monkeys and in other species of animals, proving that this anti-centhalidonucleotide is safe. And once we've done so, then we will meet with the FDA in the United States and potentially uh, other regulatory bodies in the world to come up with a timeline for when we can start clinical trials. So the, the timeline for clinical trials will be will be predicated on the safety data we generate in animals next year and then presenting that to regulatory agencies. And with that, uh, we'd have a much better sense and clarity as to when we could start clinical trials. So I hope to be able to share with you uh, perhaps in the next six months when uh, more clarity around our timelines for starting clinical trials and the potential for timelines for approval. Yeah, that's great. And there's lots of challenges and you know, I don't need to tell you, lots of money that's needed to drive these drug development processes. What are some of the things that could slow that down or some of the challenges that a company like Praxis faces? We are often faced with many challenges in trying to discover you know, new medicines. Uh, when we, when I think about you know, the major areas where we where we run into roadblocks, I think of one area being animal models and having good animal models of disease, specifically in the area of of genetic epilepsies. It's having good mouse models that we think represent what's happening in humans reasonably well uh, in terms of seizures and the non-seizure you know, issues that children with SCN2A have. So having you know, high-quality animal models is an important aspect of being able to find new therapies uh, for all genetic epilepsies and certainly absolutely true for SCN2A uh, genetic epilepsies. And I'd say I'd expand that even beyond animal models. I would even include cellular models. Uh, so those are, uh, you may be in the community, may be aware of, of stem cell-derived uh, models. These are where you can take skin cells from a patient and convert them into neurons in a dish. And you can assay and assess and study you know, how well are those neurons working? And those models can be very, very useful as well. So we often in biotech companies struggle with getting good access to high-quality models of disease, animal models, or cell-based models. Another area that we have challenges from a company perspective is we will often get asked by potential investors uh, that where we're looking for funding to support developing these new medicines, well, how many patients are there that have this problem? And often the motivation for asking the question is that in knowing how the number of patients that have a, an ability to assess what is the market size, you know, if you are able to get a drug approved, how many patients could benefit from this drug, uh, and then what would be the overall you know, revenue potential uh, of a drug like that. So we often will struggle to find good data around patient numbers. That uh, is another area that 
we you know, certainly could greatly benefit from groups helping us get good, solid epidemiology on the numbers of patients with uh, various genetic epilepsies. Related to that is, you know, once you know the good handle of the numbers of patients, you also want to understand, well, what is the natural history of the disease in patients with genetic epilepsies? And in SCN2A, a question uh, will come, how severe are the seizure disorders uh, in these children? What are the frequency of seizures depending on age? What are the non-seizure issues that children have? Whether those be behavioral, learning, memory, motor symptoms, Understanding what those non-seizure symptoms are over time and, and per age group is really critical so that we can design clinical trials the right way. Uh, we know what to follow when we give our drug. The advantage of natural history studies are that in certain contexts and with discussions with regulatory bodies, you might be able to avoid doing placebo control studies to get a drug approved, uh, that if you've got a good natural history study, you can say, you know, the normal course of a child with SCN2A epileptic encephalopathy with gain-of-function mutations is as so. Uh, you know, at one year, at three years, at five years, this is what, what happens to these children. And if that's well known, you can then do a, a trial only with giving the drug, so no placebo control. And be able to assess what does the drug do in terms of its effects on seizures, on motor symptoms, on behavior symptoms, on learning and memory, and have some confidence that your drug is doing something better than what the natural history of the disease would be. Those are a few areas uh, that I would highlight as you know, areas that biotech companies like Praxis often need help to be able to generate that types of information that could really allow us to be successful in finding new medicine. Yeah, that really highlights the importance of getting good natural history study data, because potentially that could both reduce the cost of drug development and speed up the timeline of drug development, which is you know critical for us in the SCN2A community. And it does give really helpful information. You know, I've been involved at a regulatory and uh, reimbursement level here in Australia with new drug approvals and drug development. And drugs that come to Australia for regulation with that type of package, it's much easier to build that pharmacoeconomic argument about, you know, who's going to benefit, where we're going to get the most bang for buck in a, you know, government payer system like we have in Australia. Absolutely. You're having really strong data sets, you know, not just on the drug is working, you know, to treat, you know, certain symptoms, but understanding you know, the broader context here of how, you know, society benefits with the drug. You know, it has significant enough effects that, you know, these children are leading better lives and that it has real material effects on overall healthcare outcomes. And showing that becomes pretty meaningful in, in being able to have different payers, whether they be government payers or private payers, pay for the drug and fundamentally then you know, access to the medicine uh, itself uh, is obviously what we're all looking for. What can the patient community do to help you know, companies like Praxis in a drug development program like you're outlining for SCN2A? I've had the privilege of, of getting to know families with, with SCN2A, children with SCN2A, 
And I, I, I fully appreciate how challenging it is just on a day-to-day basis to you know, care for uh, for your children. And because of that, I, I appreciate that, you know, there is, that's a full-time job in and of itself. And to ask for more is a lot to ask for some individuals, but I, I've also been so impressed by the energy and the passion that uh, families with SE2A that they have in being able to make the time to be able to help companies like Praxis and academic scientists and clinicians working in ST2A to you know, help them uh, be successful uh, and enable us. So I think there's a number of ways that you know we can we can receive help. It could be as simple as um, just keeping aware of what's going on in the community, scientifically, clinically, so that they could be prepared to be involved in clinical studies when it makes sense. It could be participating in natural history studies, which I think are really critical to finding new medicines and getting them approved for SCN2A. So being able to participate in surveys, in natural history studies, around what their child is facing would be really helpful. Uh, and then, you know, to the degree that you know, they can, you know, garner, you know, support for, you know, and, you know, help support fundraising for, you know, foundations that could support the building of animal models and support, you know, even uh, the right set of clinician academic centers that will be expert in being able to take care of these children. I mean, those are all wonderful things that could really help put the right infrastructure in place so that when a company like Praxis comes to the field of SCN2A, they say, wow, look at all, look at how everything is so nicely set up here. It makes our life very easy and it allows us to spend the money that we raise on developing the medicine and not necessarily on building the infrastructure uh, to develop the medicine. Yeah, that's a really nice point because if you're looking at where you might run a clinical trial, for example, in a couple of years when you're at that phase, that's a really attractive proposition if you've got an academic researcher, clinicians, patients, all with a track record of working together. That's just the perfect setup to be able to come in and that to be a site to be able to run a clinical trial. Absolutely, and I think the one of the the things that the that the SMA community did really well is exactly that. You know, not only helping put together natural history studies, uh, they also you know did a nice job of building a coordinated set of expert clinical research groups. You know that then became the logical trial sites for the Ionis antisense oligonucleotide. And it highlights the importance for us as a community of working in our own countries within our own uh, clinicians and research centres and starting to liaise with our own regulatory bodies and reimburses because those issues will be different in different countries. Absolutely. Acting locally can have very meaningful effects in aggregate. These areas and being able to help support building the infrastructure so that we can study SCN2A and we can study new medicines for SCN2A effectively, this is what's going to have the most impact in finding new treatments for uh, for these children. Great. Thanks for that really helpful information, Karen, and best of luck with Praxis and your efforts to find a treatment for our children. 
Thank you again for inviting me to participate, um, and I look forward to being able to provide you and the community updates as we progress this program. That was a really interesting interview. What were your take-home messages from that interview with Kieran? Kieran really did a good job of pointing out the importance of uh, natural history study and how better understanding of how SCN2A evolves over time may really help to bring forward treatments even by a number of years compared to if we don't have that data from a natural history study. One of the other points that Kieran highlighted in the interview was about SEN2A communities developing a nidus in their own country and making sure that they've got a patient group, a clinician and a researcher working towards better treatments and better outcomes for patients. And this will also help each country move towards treatments in a faster way. Keep up to date with the latest updates by subscribing to this podcast. Or get regular updates on SEN2A through SEN2A Australia's Facebook or Twitter at SEN2A Australia. This podcast is not intended as a substitute for your own independent health professional's advice, diagnosis or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider within your country or place of residency with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition.